Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome, everybody, to the Blood and Mud podcast. Hi. The podcast that went on uh, two journeys this weekend. Really? Two. Phys- physical or Metaphysical. Oh yeah, I don't mean the journey like those, like you know, like them like Gok Wan like, journeys where you go yeah. from being socially awkward to getting your knocks out in public yeah. for some spurious yeah. self confidence reason yeah. for reality or like TV, a, or like an X Factor journey. Yeah, yeah, indeed, where you go from having a normal job that you then keep telling everybody you despise and made you want to kill yeah. yourself, sort of thing. And if you, yeah. the very idea of being knocked out this weekend and going back to being a plasterer makes me want to throw <laughs> myself into a sinkhole type of thing. No, not that. I had to go no. on two actual long car Physical journeys. journeys. Well, one down south and one to Manchester, which is not that long. But let me tell you, Josh, as I've said a few times about things, I don't yeah. care for it. What journeys in general? Ge- or just well, these specific journeys. I think we do. We do it so little now. Mm. I don't care for the experience of it at all it's a great it feels like a great imposition given that we've all basically learned to exist within the boundaries of our houses for the last two years frankly yeah because frankly if i'm not getting on a plane yeah i I don't want to go anywhere now no i I completely agree we either go proper or we don't go at all yeah what i say a real holiday or stay at home none of this staycation nonsense my wife's using words like agoraphobic and hermit which i don't think is very fair (laughs) No, <laughs> in relation to me, I mean, you know. Yeah, those odd. are just those are just two of the many diagnoses that you could have. <laughs> frankly, it's a shame to limit you to just two. What's the point? Of going, I had to go down south for a forty birthday party weekend, which is very nice actually Sounds for my nice. sister in law. But you know, I'm I'm just counting down the days now until I've got to do an LFT that I've got COVID. Yeah, but I suppose Absolutely. if you're going to get it, if you're going to get it, you should <laughs> try and avoid getting go. it, and you should get jabbed up. But if you're going to get anything, Omicron seems like the one to get. Yeah, of all the ones you could have, I mean, it seems like increasingly like like an iPhone or anything else. The more recent one you get, the better things likely are. You know. <laughs> yes. 
So yes, that's what I've been up to. Um, hello, I'm Lee. You are. And I'm over Josh. there is. I'm Josh. I. Uh, what have you I been up to? Did you go fridge. anywhere? I, I defrosted my fridge this weekend. Or my freezer, rather. It was. Uh, I've been meaning to do it for two and a half years. Um, How many inches are we talking? Was like a. Did you have like a beard more glassier slab of ice that you had to chip off? Yeah, it was sort of like that bit in two thousand and one where he looks into Hal, and it's sort of like just just my face, but then there's just ice all around it. Yeah, it was it was a lot. I, I, I had a lot of ice once, and I let it defrost a bit, and then I was like ramming a screwdriver in to try and loosen the shelf of ice. <laughs> yeah, and I suddenly shit myself thinking I'm going to pierce my freezer here, which I didn't yeah. do. I didn't do, but yeah, it's uh... no. But you're always. I I just I was like I'm I've I've been planning it for a couple of weeks. I made my peace with it. I was like, you know what, <laughs> I'm just going to do it on a Saturday morning, and I'm going to leave it until the evening. And it was fine. So, I mean... As you can imagine... I'm sure it'd be, I'm sure it'd be we, fucking icy as fuck again by next week. But, you know... As you can imagine, with my kitchen project, we bought quite a mm. fancy fridge freezer. Absolutely. Well, actually, we bought a fancy fridge freezer two years before because my wife had a long long view of this kitchen. See, that's the and way so to, we need go, to get. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and so she basically wanted... Honestly, if you, if you go bigger than us, you're into, like, you work in a hotel or something... <laughs> <laughs> it's ridiculous and it it wasn't cheap right but it is genuinely yeah. a very good freezer and i said well the the i said if we're paying this much for it one it better last a fucking long time yeah and two the size you've bought of it we can conveniently be buried in it <laughs> so it should last us <laughs> so the rest purpose. of our yeah, lives yeah. and then we should even if I we saw... don't die both at the same time one of us can yeah. just go in the freezer till it's time yeah, exactly. You know, you've effectively created a crypt for yourself in your own house. <laughs> yes, indeed. And it can just stay there forever, even when, like, the kids sell it after we're dead yeah. and everything. So, um, I saw a tweet yesterday that has genuinely been, like, to to get all Danny Dyer has been flipping my nut ever since. And that was basically, isn't it funny how you never see anybody who's got the same fridge as you? That is true, isn't it? It's, like... Surely there's a finite number of fridges. But no, I've said this before when I was buying a washing machine and I said, I want a washing machine that's no more than 350 quid and has this minimum spin speed. And mm. 560 options came up on AO.com. Yeah. And they're all white boxes with a window, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. And they're all so similar that, you know, law of averages, I guess, states that, you know, they're spread out quite evenly throughout the sort of But how many pages? Spectrum. You must get the same fridge because how many pages are you going to scroll through? Exactly. Unless, this is what I'm saying. Why do you, like, I've seen people who've got the same car as me. Mm. Like, surely there can't be more fridges on the market than there are cars. You know? It's it's genuinely flipped my nut. It makes me think that all fridges are like, there's only one fridge. Everything. And they just, yeah. It's like everyone just gets their own unique fridge and we don't even realise it. Speaking of Danny Dyer, I watched possibly... The worst stroke best film I've ever seen. Hello. Yeah. Recently. Have you seen the film with Danny Dyer in the lead? Vendetta. No. Oh no, I haven't seen that. Or have I? Imagine no. like taken, yeah, but done in East London on a smaller budget with Danny Dyer as Liam Neeson. I mean, I sort of guessed that that's what it was before it even started. Oh, but wow. he's a special forces guy. He's of obviously, he you know, got a troubled relationship with his wife. Yeah. They kill his, you know, some like 
mafia, some like gangster types kill his parents. Uh-huh. Yeah. And he goes, you know, medieval. Yeah. But obviously it's full of Danny Dyer being Danny Dyer doing Danny Dyer type things. Absolutely. And it's 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 so awful. I couldn't stop watching it. It was absolutely <laughs> incredible. I mean, it's now on the list. I mean, the already the cast list is just everyone that you've seen. It, it, every like sort of fourth division British character actor is in this. Yes, and also Roxanne McKee, who I remember from when I used to watch Hollyoaks in about two thousand and four. So, I don't even know who she is. So yeah, that's good. But um, Vincent Regan's in it, of course. Yeah, but, <laughs> yeah. Alistair Petrie, who's in everything, usually as and he he's put, he plays a character called DCI Spencer Holland, which is the same character he plays in everything. He's either an <laughs> army guy or a police guy. He's never anything else. Who's that one? Who's in all those horrible Cockney gangster ones? Um, Neil Maskell. He's <laughs> yeah, not in this yeah, one. I don't think he is. He's in all of them. But who's the um? Oh. Who's the actor who's in loads of stuff? That's a terrible thing to say. He was in Line of Duty season four or something. Oh, what is his name? You've not narrowed it down. Cockney actor. He was in Red Riding and stuff. Anyway, he flatly refuses to do any of those. He's from East London, but he flatly refuses to do any of those programs, those films, the yeah. Coke and Cockney's films, as he calls us. I'm just not. No. I, anytime somebody phones, he's like, no, it's a straight up no. I mean, can I, I'm just looking through it on IMDb, and there's a photo of Danny Dyer in a leather jacket with what looks like a BMW 1 Series hatchback in the background, which shows, I think, the, the production budget with the uh, the Millennium Dome sort of glistening in the background as if you really, if you needed to know that this was any more London. And weirdly, two gas canisters, which I assume are going to blow up at any second. But yeah, I mean, it's, it is awful. I recommend all of you watch it and just li- <laughs> literally just roll in the absolute awfulness of it, like a pig in shit. It's the only way forward. I much prefer Danny Dyer now that he's not trying to be an actor and he's just basically realised that he is a sort of... Do you know what I like? I think he's a bit of a lost talent. He's a bit of a lost talent, Danny Dyer, actually. Because when you look at some of the early stuff he did, he was that there was something in there that was a decent actor. And then he Mm. went into the Danny Dyer's Deadliest Men route (laughs) and never really came out of it, did he? Those shows are incredible. Absolutely incredible. I mean, I suppose in a lot of ways, you know, he didn't, he went into this with his eyes open, didn't he? He thought he was going to be the new Jason Statham. And instead, he just didn't. Bless him. Sam Marshall's Blood and Mud Watch Party. While we're on live, we could actually tee it up in another window, couldn't we? Yeah, let us Listen. know in the Praetorian comments or on DM if you want, literally, generally, want to start watching stupid films as a watch along. With us commentating. Danny Dyer's early TV credits are like the most 1990s TV credits you could possibly imagine. Prime Suspect. The Bill. The Bill. Tick. Cadfile. Tick. (laughs) I really hope he was a monk in Cadfile. Um, A Touch of Frost. Tick. Children's Ward. Tick. Thief Takers. Do you remember Thief Takers? Genuinely terrible uh, ITV no. crime drama set about. I think it was about the Flying Squad. And of course, the it Bill was. again. What Soldier is the Flying Sol- Squad? I still don't know what the Flying Squad is. It was just isn't always the... in programs in the eighties yeah. and seventies. Isn't stuff. the Flying Squad the organised crime lads? The ones who are based. The ones who were the all on the take were basically were just as bent as the people that they were trying to put in prison. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, soldier, soldier's on here. I mean, God, it's good. <laughs> soldier, soldier. The um, but Danny dies deadliest men. My son started watching yes. that. We both and I watched along with it. We were both laughing our heads off because it is incredible. There's one where he goes to Liverpool with a, a gangster called Stephen French. He was a genuine like. I've seen this one, but yes. Have you yeah, seen yeah. the Stephen French one? Yeah, 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 yeah. When he when he, when he gets his tattoos out, there's, there's two yeah. dragons on his back, and he goes, "One of these two beasts on me back. One's fighting the other one because of the beast that's inside me." Do you know what I mean, Danny? And stuff. And, he, and then he goes, and there's a bit where they're like just stood on a street in Toxteth, going, "I can't hmm. believe how exposed we were feeling. It was proper fucking rough." Waited to see. Stephen told us we had to move because it was too dead. It's like you're literally just in a street with people going about their business. <laughs> it's the same thing as like in in Ross Kemp's uh, Deadliest Gangs or whatever. <laughs> Ross Kemp, where, gangs. yeah, yeah, where he's just like you know, there's some shouting and like a loud noise, and then instantly Ross is bundled into the back of a car and driven <laughs> away because he had to get out of there because it was getting tasty. And it's like, was it or did you just drive away? The Danny, Dyer, the Danny Dyer one, they take him to a house to, to do to him what they would do when they were, like, collecting money. <laughs> and there's a bit where Stephen French whispers in his ear, he goes, this, what Stephen had to say at this point was too dangerous and noted to broadcast. But he's shouting, he's like, fucking hell, fire. They're, like, in this, like, disused semi in fucking Croxteth or something. It's absolutely incredible. I tell you what, 1990s and 2000s, Lad focused TV channel Bravo's got a lot to answer for, isn't it? Yes, that was it. Was all that that was Bravo, wasn't it? And everything, yeah. And then, of course, Bravo. after 10 30, it became something else entirely. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, that was it. Was absolutely like a filthy. bar in Benidorm. Have you ever seen the list of entertainment in a bar in Benidorm? It just turns into like total debauchery. <laughs> it starts off with like kids' clown show, Star yeah. Wars show. Comedian, adult comedian, lesbian show, and then by seven o'clock it's Sticky Vicky. Honest to God, that is literally like, this is like normal. It's always bar. Sticky Vicky, yeah. And I went there. Oh, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh, anyway, so there anyway, we are. James, James Mackay Mount says the, the Milk Ross Kemp on Gangs is the greatest video on YouTube. Is that the one where they're all Welsh? Because if it is, that is fucking hilarious. Yes. That is really good. Yeah. It's an oldie, but uh, you, you never tire of watching it. No. I the leader. I got the backpack because I have to bring all the boys sandwiches. <laughs> that one is. <laughs> right. Oh, we start Speaking of things yeah, to yeah. watch, Josh. Yes. I finally got around to watching Slammed. Oh, yes. Sat and did what the whole lot. Yeah. I, I enjoy, as you said, it's a documentary we've kind of all seen. Yes. And we still didn't really get the truth about Mike Ruddock's leaving, did we? Mike said, Absolutely I wouldn't give me a contract, not. so I left. He was like, oh, come on. It's been God, fucking Mike. 16 years. Surely we so, can... Just say what really happened, a lot of you. You're all so full of shit. But my favourite part of it was spotting peripheral squad members at different 100%. periods. 100%. So Gatlin's the squad... I wanted to hear from. <laughs> the people have got point... absolutely nothing to fucking... No axe to grind. They've got no skin in the game. I want to hear from fucking all these people. Yeah, so at one point in Gatlin's first, one of his first quads, Avion Lewis-Jones wanders past. Yeah, he does. <laughs> and he's like, yes! Why are you not interviewing him? What was it like, Avion? Come on. <laughs> but this is the thing, though. These people would have probably given more of a sort of unvarnished account of what actually went on than talking to fucking Shane Williams or Ryan Jones about it. 
how good was Adam Jones I was talking about Mike Ruddock leaving? So they walked in and they said, Mike's left. I said, what? What? Ruddock? No, another Mike. No, no. I was trying to think, no. was there another Mike in the scrub? Mike Griffiths, the guy who does the, he does the scrub machine oiling. Oh, he's gone. Yeah. It's like... It was, yeah. yeah. I mean, as usual, Gareth Thomas is obscenely good value. Yeah. I'm I mean, probably the most he's... honest out of everybody in some ways, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I think Gareth Thomas realised about, you know, 10 or 15 years ago that there's absolutely no point in him trying to varnish anything yeah. about his life. Best to because... be honest now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> But yeah, he, you know, where was twenty minutes with Daniel Jones or Robin Sony <laughs> Taylor? You know, yeah. <laughs> or the great mystery and unspoken hero of that that Grand Slam, Hal Luscombe, is never interviewed. Yeah, about any of these things. No, what? Where is Hal Luscombe now? <laughs> yes, and I'm sure he isn't too busy to have a chat with you about that Grand Slam he won, <laughs> which is I'm pretty sure is the highlight of his career. So. Oh yeah. I mean, he was at Harlequins then, wasn't he? He'd been was he at Dragons, Dragons then? Before. He'd he gone to Harlequins think, by then. I think he'd gone to Harlequins by that point, and then afterwards he went to Worcester, and he did absolutely nothing in any of those times. Did he? Yeah, I mean, because he's a Saffa, right? So he's probably back in South Africa now. I would guess so. Other things you forgot as well, or I certainly have. Mm-hmm. Gareth Flewellyn played his last Test for Wales. <laughs> In the autumn of 2004. I know. <laughs> it's incredible. The, yeah, it does It does pay, do a good job of painting the picture of how fucking shambolic things were in the 97 to 2005 era. But, I mean, it doesn't really... It's, it sort of doesn't... It sort of gives far too much credit to the people who had didn't really sort it out for sorting it out to be honest and uh, yeah and uh, and th- there's a bit of a there's a very strange narrative written about the 2003 all weird as fuck now, isn't there? that all black that all black, that was the fucking b team that wasn't fucking his stroke of genius that was just like the sacrificial lambs that he was saving all the decent lads for for the fucking england match like yeah one thing at the time when you look back on it, though, as well, is that all the best performances of that period, I mean, it's only the highlights. I'd have to go back and watch it a bit more. I'm sure Robbie's probably done it. Robbie Squidge, he'll have a view on it. But front and centre of all the best performances, who never gets any real notices, to be honest, is Robert Sadoli. Yeah, massively. He's front and centre in all of carrying, rocking, yeah. really working his fucking nads off and really two, yeah, hands two people and everything. Who- Two people who definitely didn't, who, who should have been talked to for that, like genuinely should have been talked to for that documentary, are Michael Owen, who, let's not forget, was actually the Wales captain when they won the Grand Slam because mm. Gareth Thomas was injured. Never gets asked about any of it. And, yeah, and Rob Sidoli, who was just <laughs> extremely fucking uncompromisingly all right throughout that entire and just was just did a, he did the Ian Goff job before Ian Goff did the Ian Goff job basically it's true actually and I, and if you look at him now I want to see him you because he's a fucking ringer for Tessio from Godfather now <laughs> seen him <laughs> completely heard. bald and grey and looks incredibly right. old but obviously isn't but I mean he was balding back then wasn't he he's only 42 fucking hell yeah, yeah. amazing but yeah Garth Cavallin went to the World Cup in 2003 so did Chris Wyatt wow. He basically is just to smash booms and fags most of the time, I think. 
he was mainly there for the duty free. <laughs> yes, but no, it's definitely worth a watch. It's a good three hours, I guess. It's a nice way to fill an afternoon. It's interesting. Or to watch. It's interesting. Yeah, and it has a you know. It's an and you're also reminded sort of... of Gareth Jenkins being sacked in the car park, man. That is some cold shit, man. <laughs> some fucking in front of the players. Gareth, you sacked. And also, just the whole him, you know. And if you've ever been to the Vale, like the bit where there's like when he comes up to the turning to go into the Vale and he just basically asks to be let out at the gate of the Vale because he can't face the media. And he said, didn't they? And you know, he didn't want to face the media. He's like, well, there's a fucking solution. <laughs> you sure? So, Gareth, you've been sacked on the way home. But like, yeah, when you think about Hensel and where that. Entrance to the Kel- to um the veil. To the veil is like literally, it's. I hope his wife was there to pick him up, because it was like a that's like yeah. a twenty minute walk to Cow- like that's a twenty minute drive to Cowbridge. You straight on the, the M4. Only thing in the, other dire- the only thing the other direction is the M4. It's like you know you could come a cropper there. I think the symbolic of, of Gareth Jenkins not moving with the times, because that was a point they made about he didn't quite, he couldn't adapt to no. a modernising game, could he? Was how he was clinging on for dear life to the three-button suit, wasn't he? He was, yeah. When the it's world like... was moving on, he clung on with the yeah. his fingernails <laughs> like, to the three-button suit. 2011, was Mad Men out by then? Can't remember. I feel like Mad Men was... Things were moving yeah, Mad on. Men, by Mad Men won an Emmy by two, 2011. It started, came out in 2010. The three button suit was fucking stone dead as soon as Don Draper <laughs> stepped onto a TV screen. Yes. Made everybody look, look square and slightly overweight, the three button suit. Yeah, it's yeah, a very, yeah. very strange thing altogether. Give you no look. shape whatsoever. Yeah. That's what makes all of those sort of squads like coming off the coach pictures from that era look even worse because they're all wearing suits that look two sizes too big for them and are all three buttons and they look fucking dreadful. And we've said this before, but Shane Williams's catalogue of hair styles throughout that five-year period is is quite something else. I mean, you can laugh and say, well, so was Henson's, but Henson's was so out there and kind of deliberate. Henson's was making a statement. Yes. Yeah. Shane was just so Shane just picked stuff off the picture in the barbers, didn't he? Big time, and just was like a, a, a you know a gadfly with it, and he would go from kind of sensible haircut one day to bleach blonde, spiky mullet the next. It seemed with seemingly no fucking rhyme or reason. Anyway, yeah, so worth a watch. Sorry, feel, I wonder if could you look at Shane now, right? Hmm. Shaved head. Yep. No fucking. He, he shaved that by the late two thousand. By two thousand and eight, he was shavied, wasn't he? Yeah. Have you wonder? Was he trying to keep up with Henson and Hook and Lee Byrne and Mike Phillips and his mates at the Ospreys, who were all very kind of, you know, Spice Boy ish, to sort of borrow mm. a term that was popular at that time? Was he just sort of self consciously kind of trying to be one of the lads while all he really wanted to do was shave his head? And now he's just he's he's got to a stage in his life where he's just happy, just going, you know what, and just just number one it all over. I do. Um, I love Tom Shanklin was quite weirdly for such a terrible pundit. Was pretty good in parts in that. And Gavin yes, Allison, is that a brilliant bit about Gavin? He said Gavin just wanted to be told he was doing a good job the whole time. <laughs> totally and after, looked great. And after, and after he leveled Matt Tate that time, 
Apparently, Shadby's had a water tour to have said, you look fucking great, Gavin. You smashed him. You look great. You smell great. Keep going. So I think it's like, I love that that's all he wants. For somebody so cocksure, he just needed validation the whole yeah, time. Yeah, it's like there's yeah. never been more sort of, you know, kind of quite sad in a way, like somebody that just wanted to, you know, just needed to be loved, man. Yeah, like, just keep telling Gav, me I'm brilliant, otherwise I won't yeah, think I am. Yeah, despite Gav's all sort of, this, I need you yeah, to keep telling me that I'm brilliant. Despite every ounce of talent that I undeniably have, I need to be reminded of it at all times. Anyway, yeah, so we watched that. Last point on... <laughs> there's, there's Shane and his... Shane's Shane wedding photo wedding flashed, just up, flashed there. up there. That's a hell of a haircut. That's a hell of a seat. And his wife looks like she got married in 1987. So Yeah, and he's wearing red, which is... Just the whole thing. Red anyway. and green, but the other way, right, the wrong way around. <laughs> the wrong way around. Uh, anyway. Last point on this, Gareth yeah. Llewellyn. Mm-hmm. So I went looking for Gareth Llewellyn because obviously, you know, I know a fair bit. He was my kind of yeah. era. Didn't retire for professional rugby till 2008. Final yeah. season at Bristol for, in 2008. Oh, I vaguely remember him being at Bristol when I, literally the season that I moved to Bristol, he was still, and I was like, fuck me, is he still around? They did another year for some amateur club and he was 40 by then so he finished he was knocking on 40 when he was playing for Bristol yeah just before their relegation wasn't it which maybe says a lot about just yes Bristol the season time, the so. season that I moved to Bristol was their last season in the prem before they started really yo-yoing um but yeah he was he was with fucking Darren Compton and players like that in that Bristol pack which was not a good pack <laughs> hall of fame pack Jason Strange. Just, Fucking I mean, hell. <laughs> genuinely, genuinely, Bristol fans, I know this has been a rough season, but really, yes. it, it was pretty bad. So, we are on, um, you can get in touch with me at Blood and Mud or Lee at bloodandmud.com on the email. If people want to get in touch with you, how do they do that, Josh? Uh, Josh Gardner or uh, at Rooked underscore Mag. Also, you can do the Patreon messaging service if you're one of those people. That means you, but you, to do that, you have to take yourself along to patreon.com. Blood and mud, where you can sign up and become a member for £2 a month or 20 quid for the year, get extra stuff, don't get the episode cuts, don't get any adverts, get extra episodes, messages, get the live stream. Hello, everybody who's watching on the live stream. You get to see that as well. All that stuff. Why wouldn't you? It's a new year. Resolve yourself exactly. to walk up to the window, stick your hand in your pocket, and slap some change on the counter to support exactly. your favourite podcast. Quite. Even if we're not your favourite podcast, do it anyway. Yeah. Um, even people listen to us just because they don't like us. Just give us some money anyway. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't mind hate listeners as long as they're no, absolutely. So um, if you want to join, that's £2 or 20 quid for the year, or it's £5 a month if you want to join the VIP, or £50 for the whole year. £50 and a bit. £50 and pennies, if you know what I mean. Just get it out of the way. Pay now. Don't worry about it. Yeah, it's a long time. Uh, I'd like to welcome Robert Mitchell to the Not VIP me, Robert lounge. Mitchell. Who's he? Of Mitchell, of Mitchell and Webb. That's David, oh, Mitchell, David and Mitchell and Robert Webb. Robert Webb. I did exactly the same thing when I first saw his name. <laughs> so hey, Robert Mitchell uh, anyway, yeah. has joined us in the VIP. And Robert joined the wrong queue thinking he was lining up to join the library whilst oh, at university, dear. but instead ended up signing up to play for the Rugby Union Club. He's now played 500 games as a winger, despite mm-hmm. hating every minute he spent engaged in a sport he has no interest in. 
but he's, like, he's locked into it purely due to social awkwardness and not willing to admit that he's joined that he joined the wrong queue 20 years ago. I mean, who among us hasn't sort of fallen into that level of politeness that you just, yeah, you know, I'm, I, I'm one of Robert's people. And uh, like when I was in B&Q and a bloke started talking to me and thought he knew me. Mm-hmm. And uh, and was talking, I was like, I don't know this guy. I mean, and it, once it went beyond about 25 seconds, I was like, this has gone on too long now. And yeah. I can't say, look, mate, I'm not who you think I am. So he kept going. And he said, and he he says to me at one point, he goes, "So what are you doing now then?" And I went, "I, I work for the council." And he went, "Really?" I said, "Yeah." And then he kind of like, I think he started to twig then, because I, <laughs> I often thought, "What is he?" Cause he did he go? Did he go? Really? Because you, you used to be a dentist, you know. What I mean? it's kind of, I was, and in so the you end, don't have any GCSEs at all. In the end, in the end, I had. He like wandered off, and I was hiding in case I actually like walked past him again. The last thing you ever want to do is ever have any interaction with that guy again. Speaking of patron, me and Josh wish to make a public service announcement. We want to absolutely confirm we will not be offering a tier where we sell our farts in a jar. Uh, I mean, fucking hell, I wish we discussed this off air first, but uh, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm, no, I'm sorry, I'm drawing a line in, in public, Josh. So, no take backs. So. I suppose we're committed to it now, aren't we? So, oh well, that was a strange old story, wasn't it? Real weird story, as my nan would say. As my nan would say, yes, aren't men absolutely filthy pigs? <laughs> because obviously, it's not anybody it's else true. who's buying a fart it's in a jar from an attractive woman, is there? It's, I I don't understand it. Men are weird. I'm course, really sorry. I don't want to get into it, but yeah. No. As we now with the filthy pigs, as we now would say. Dirty bastards. <laughs> uh, right. So that's the, yes. the patreon.com. Blood and mud. Get yourself along there if you want to sign up and get some VIP. Thanks to all the people who joined this week as well. You know who you are. Um, shall we begin as you always begin, Josh, with the player spotted? I think we better bloody have. Long time listener supporter and visitor of the pod on judgment day Hello. not as in like when the world ends no, no. although you know linda mason oh. has been in touch hello linda hello linda she says a play spotted said so on my way to a game we stopped at motto cardiff west for a costa coffee oh is that at pomp Prenai? no it's cardiff, uh, cardiff east yeah cardiff west must be on the chorus and interchange, is it? Oh, I lose track. It's, but anyway. it's, it's junction uh, 33. Of course it is. Yeah. How yeah. stupid of me. I feel ashamed. Yeah. Anyway, it says, who should come out, come in, but Shane Williams? Hello. He got a coffee for him and his mate. And Linda says, I want a bonus for recognising him behind his mask. See, I feel like the masks must have made player spotted a lot harder for people in enclosed environments. But Not in Exeter, because they probably don't wear them. Oh, yeah, they don't wear them. Just spot them all in Exeter. <laughs> That's why so many people are spotting Stuart Hogg in places at the moment. <laughs> yes. He probably wants to put a mask on, but he can't. Peer probably pressure does. and yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but, uh, yes. yeah, a fair play, hat tip. Yeah. I don't think I've ever stopped at Motto I Cardiff think... West, because I used to come from the east to go to Cardiff and probably leave. Mm. I didn't go west often. And if yeah. I did, it would it have been like in a fucking coach to play rugby. So... Yeah, and if I was going west from to, I would almost certainly come off before. Well, I would, I would, yeah, I'd usually be going to my mother's, so I wouldn't go to the services in Cardiff. Lots of services too near to your house that you don't go to very often. You see, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> Classic one, Nutsford on the M6. 
Always oh, really? either too near to home, unless I was absolutely blasting for a piss. Yeah, I've I only been to like, I've only been to Leeds LMR like three times because it's just it's just a bit too close. What's that one that's like been transplanted from the seventies, right in the middle of Wiltshire? Membry. <laughs> Membry, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've done, I've done Membry. Membry is fucking bleak, man. Membry is really bleak. Yeah. <laughs> Membry is like a services in the seventies. Everything. Yeah, they've not even really decorated brown nylon seats. Yeah, 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 it's horrible. I think they might have redone it quite recently, actually, but certainly until then, it literally just looked like a corrugated shed with a fucking KFC logo on the side. Surrounded of it. by darkness. If you yeah. put a, like a drone over it, it'd be like a really shit version of Vegas. Yeah, exactly like that. It just sucks the light in. You've been to Vegas, Josh? I've never been to Vegas. Never been to Vegas. I sort of feel like it's because I'm not really into gambling that much. Me neither. No. I never really, but I sort of feel like I would enjoy the silliness of it as much as anything else. Like, it seems like an extremely silly place. And yes. I feel like I would enjoy that for roughly 24 hours. And then It I'd is probably the most world. American of places, isn't it? It's like yeah. everything that America is, I guess. But uh... Yeah, I think I'd only enjoy it for a day or two. And then I would be like, people who go for like a week to Vegas, I'm like, what the fuck are you doing with your life? Well, I know what you're doing with your life. You're getting drunk and you're going to fucking casinos. Gloucester and T-Bay are the king and queen of services, says James McCoy Mount. Isn't Gloucester the isn't Gloucester the the like the, the the fucking artisan farm shop one? Yeah, I won't have I won't have anything about that fucking fancy Gloucester. I service. stopped there on the way to your house. Oh yeah, she did. I was yeah. very confused by the whole thing. Yeah, I I I won't be having it. Sorry, I just what's don't... that one that's right on the junction to the M50? It's got a Ross on Y. That's a fucking uh, desperate one. That is. What is that one? What is that one? I don't know what it's called. It's a road chef. That's always a bad, yeah, bad fucking sign. It's a bad it? sign. Oof. The road chef's the ones that have got Harry Ramsons in them sometime. Possibly. That's just, that's just a sign of bleakness in 2021, isn't it? Any presence of a Harry Ramsons. I told you something about when I was still drinking and I bought a Harry Ramsons drenched in salt and vinegar at Euston, got on the train, ate half of it and promptly went to sleep. Probably stank out the entire carriage. <laughs> yeah. Absolute northern, northern piss can on the <laughs> northwest just, line. Just tick all those fucking boxes. <laughs> fucking northern piss can got on and just stank the carriage <laughs> out. There's fucking Ramsdens. <laughs> Complained about how much it cost him, then fell asleep. <laughs> I remember when they opened the Harry Ramsons in Cardiff and it was like an event because it was like yeah, in Cardiff. and they had that piano that bay. played itself. They did have that piano that played itself. But yeah, it was like seen as fat, like quite sort of exciting and fancy, whereas now it's just like... I mean, it says a lot about where it's Harry something Ramsons else stopped. now, isn't it? Yeah. I went to... When I was down in Cardiff last time, I went to Bill's. Oh, yeah. Not impressed. I... I've been to decent bills and I've been to absolute dog shit bills. The one in Cardiff's middle of the road. They described their the... big bills breakfast. It was 13 quid. I thought, fair enough. And when I came, mm. point of order on the big, this is not big. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? When you, trans- when you say big, I'm thinking transport yeah. cafe. When you say bigs, I'm going to drive over to, I'm going to drive over to Cate's and go to Ramones. <laughs> and then I'm going to see a big fucking breakfast. In Hollywell here, uh, Billy Jean's Transport Cafe is a magnificent example of a of of, of the genre. Oh. Always the other best thing about Billy Jean's Transport Cafe, which people get wrong on breakfast, the beans are fucking red hot. The number of times you get a breakfast and the beans are lukewarm, 
is unacceptable. <laughs> well, I mean, surely. And I'm hoping now not... we can't be dictated to by Brussels. We can have hot beans on <laughs> on the most English of breakfast or something. Surely the best, like, if you want to fucking, like, a cooked breakfast should be red fucking hot. It should yes. either have been, it should either be straight out of the pan or it should have been under a heat lamp so intense that it's effectively just taken on molten properties. And beans can just be kept in a pan on a low heat. How could why yeah. are they cold? What are you yeah. doing? Exactly. And obviously, and that's why breakfasts are tricky. They're even more tricky than a roast on some levels to get they everything sorted on There's time. a lot to get everything to come out at the right time and in the right consistency is not easy. Short oh. order cooks are un, you know, are unrecognized geniuses. They are really of, of the world, to be honest. Did you ever right. go to Ramones when you were in Cardiff? I did not because I was down in because I lived in Grangetown and mm. Canton, then Riverside, then Grangetown. I was that. I mean, end you wouldn't of town. make the you wouldn't make the trip. I didn't go to Cates much no. really over that side of things. No, the Belly Buster breakfast was a a thing of legend. There's a cafe here community. in Flint called the Ritz, which has properly been open and looks exactly the same since about 1972. My mum went in there when she was pregnant with me. Lovely stuff. See, I knew Kerry Jones would be in on this because he's local. My son is in <laughs> school with the son of the owner of that Billy Jeans. Yes. <laughs> love it. Yeah. Six degrees of separation on the Blood and Mud podcast. <laughs> right. Shall we do some news? We probably should, otherwise I'm just going to start looking up if Ramones is still open. Somebody said, I miss Ramones. I don't mean it's closed. Oh, that'd be sad. Devastating. Microwave beans are abominations, Anna. Correct. The best way to cook beans, let the world go forth from here, in a pan, butter. Yep. Stir it and smush them a little bit, but not too much. They keep the consistency, but they're not quite as runny. Because you shouldn't have too much juice. Do you know what I mean? I can believe it, yeah. Right. We're definitely doing the news now. Seriously, let's do some news. Chris Boyd's leaving Northampton. He is, which is, I'm quite surprised, to be honest. But um, It's been an upward trend, hasn't it? It has. He's going to, you know, he's going home to New Zealand. He's going to keep working with Saints on a consultancy basis, and they're going to promote one of Sam Vesti or Phil Dowson to replace him. So it's kind of like, it, you know, it could go, could quite easily go bath post-Blackadder on this. But yeah, it, it could, be, it's a risk but, to or it could, or it could be fine. Um, they'll be cheaper, kind of, but be, there'll be a lot. Got a risk, yeah. risk reward balance here. I mean, he's in his sixties now, Chris Boyd. Was, he's probably just say, thinking. He's probably just had like, enough. I, you kind of feel like he never really fully enjoyed being like because you remember his Hurricanes teams mm. were fucking box office and and porno rugby, and you kind of feel like. He never fully was at ease with English rugby and the sort of expectation of playing a structured game and a forward-based game and all this sort of stuff. And I, even though it, you know, Saints have not been bad under him at all. You kind of feel like he was never really. He never looked like he was enjoying himself. And maybe that's just because he's got one of those faces that never looks like it enjoys itself. But they always seem to start matches slowly under him. It's a weird one. Mm. Games they could have won, they weren't smashed in the first twenty minutes, mm. sort of thing. But it's definitely been the line of best fit has been upwards under him. I think so. He's yeah. probably leaving something behind. He's probably looking at giving it to Vesti or someone else. I mean, Phil Dowson. Like 
a plan there at least. But then there was a plan at Bath, and look how that worked out. Phil Dowson is possibly the most your so club player that's ever existed. Exactly. So you know, so he, he sounds like perfect management squ- material to me. You'll be good with the squad players, if nothing else. Yes. Look, I understand. Yeah. So that's happening. So he leaves it in a better place than he than he when he came in. I think so. Yeah. Do, I guess. Well, have you got any news? Oh, there's loads of news. Um, Scarlets have signed uh, via Fafita from Wasps, which is a massive coup for the Turks and for Welsh rugby. Um, I'm not convinced he solves the problems that a lot of Scarlets fans think he's going to solve because he's much better as a six than he is at a lock. And he's not Jake Ball, which is kind of what they've been crying out for since Jake Ball left. But when was the last time an all-black signed for a Welsh region, you know? Was it Justin Marshall? Uh, it was you know, it was Brendan <laughs> Leonard a few years ago for the Ospreys, and he was shit. But before <laughs> then, when was right, the then. last time before that? Oh, it was Jared Hoyata and the Blues, and he was shit as well. But I'm sure this definitely won't also pan out that he will be shit and underwhelming. But more importantly than the Scarlet signing him, which obviously is a big coup... I think it just says really bleak things about wasps. Like. Because Fekatoa's on his way as well, isn't he? Yeah, Fekatoa's been strongly linked to Munster or indeed anywhere else, it seems. Losing both, losing one of your marquee players is unfortunate. Losing both of them at the same time feels like something else entirely. Yeah. Somebody's obviously come in, haven't they? And looked at a spreadsheet and gone, fucking hell. We've gone 60 fucking million in debt. Are you Has anyone been but looking yeah. at this? No. Why have you opened a spreadsheet which says do not open on it? <laughs> Under no circumstances, <laughs> open this spreadsheet. Um, you know, there's a lot of stuff being, you know, touted about how, you know, the English clubs are no longer able to compete financially with anybody, effectively. And... We talked about yeah. this last week, and the we twenty-five year week. journey to fucking living in the now is about to bite hard. Yeah, and I think it is going to. It will be interesting to see if you know. I hate the fact that players might player wages are going to shrink because I don't think rugby players earn enough fucking money to <laughs> for the level of punishment their body takes anyway. But. You know, club rugby's got to start paying for itself in some way, shape, or form soon. So, yeah, it's kind of this has got to happen one way or another, and it's not going to be pleasant. It's going to be very unpleasant for the English teams, I think, in the next couple of years. But what can you do? It's a correction. (laughs) It is years of overspending. Yeah, basically. Basically, yeah. I'm not an economist, but I'm going to use words like I am. Because that's what you yeah, want to expect. I mean, it, sounds very, it sounds very convincing. Thank you. So, yeah, for Feeder of Scarlet, if Fakatoa to Munster, heavily rumoured, which probably means it's going to happen. So, um, yes, and Damien Delande's off again. So, they, they need another. They need a, a, a ridiculously handsome man to replace him. So, you know, tick. Uh, in other news, London Irish, they finally ended the charade and given London Irish the win for the yes, match game. They did, yeah. Given, 
I don't want to use the word fault, but what I mean is, you know, Bath were the ones who had to call it off because they couldn't feel the team. So they went back to original rules, no two shots carry, and you lose the game. So I mean, it's really funny how um, Bath very nearly, you know, obviously they won on the weekend um, for the first time all season. They very nearly would have had to forfeit that game because they nearly started Will Muir, who got banned um, in the Leinster game for eye gouging Josh van der Fleer, obviously. Um, and he was named in the side and was took part in the warm up. And then shortly before kickoff, somebody at Bath realised that um, his ban didn't include the Premiership, like a Premiership Cup match that they decided to include as part of one of the of his, his five match ban or whatever it is. And if they played him, they would have had to have they realised and they pulled him out of the squad. But if he played, he would have been playing while ineligible and. If London Welsh is anything to go by in 2013, he Bath would have not only forfeited that game, but probably been uh, docked five points for fielding an eligible player as well. So, I mean, what are Bath doing at the moment? <laughs> like, what is what is Winning. happening? I mean, they won a game, but they very nearly didn't win that game and cost themselves five points because they didn't bother to check if a player who'd been banned was off his ban yet. Not a single part of that organisation works. <laughs> it's literally just broken from top to bottom. No wonder Ed Griffiths just went in and went, well, obviously I should be in charge of this because <laughs> this is a fucking farce. The whole rest of you are a shambles. I've just been in that off rat room and there's four people just sat there juggling and now none of them can actually <laughs> juggle. Oh. Uh, yes. Yes. Um, yes, but Fafita, very good signing for the Scarlets. Fair play. He um, was one of those, like, burning very bright but shortly All Blacks, wasn't he? Uh, one of those kind yeah. of like, unique talents, a back row with one of, pace, yeah, uh, massive. One of those guys. Could, yeah. yeah. And then slowly but disappeared from view because they still realised he wasn't anywhere near as good as Jerome Kino. So. Yeah, and also because the, was it the Highlanders he was with just kept playing him at lock. Yeah, that's he's true. much better at six. And it'd be interesting if the Scarlets play him at six, which, I mean, is is undoubtedly his best position, but probably not where they need him to play. But I'm yeah, sure he could fashion a decent lock performance in the Irk. I mean, he's been playing like no disrespect to his lock abilities. He's been playing well at lock for Wasps, but you know, Wasps are a bit of a fucking mad boom or bust scenario <laughs> at the moment. So who knows what that means. Mike Hemming says Branston beans are the best. Grow up, Mike. Don't be bringing that shit around here. <laughs> Slapped down. <laughs> In other news, um, Toulon president Bernard Lemaitre yeah. has referred to Springbrook enforcer Eben Etzebeth as a, as a handicap to his top 14 <laughs> club. You remember how back he's brought and came in and got his, his owed wages? <laughs> I mean, yes. I can see that happening. Yeah, it's, 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 it's like this bird of he's going. The way they talk about them is so like they, they literally talk about these players like they're fucking cattle. It's appalling. <laughs> but it's but it's also like, hang on a minute. It's like, well, yeah, you know, obviously it's a bit of a handicap because he's not French, 
and uh, he's on loads of money. It's like you know these. This is. Have you only just found that out this morning? Yeah. This, did you did, did you walk this one and go? Who's this French? Let me go for Oh, he's not French. What? <laughs> but it's like. And how much money do we pay him? Quite a lot. What? What? <laughs> it's like this is the same fucking bloke who bought Cheslin Colby out of his Toulouse contract this summer, and is paying him a million euros a year. It's like. I'm pretty sure that Chesney Colby isn't French. And yet, it's like it's like moaning about the thing that you have actively... It's like complaining yeah. about player wages when... You literally you gave actively... him this contract, you fucking <laughs> spanner. What is wrong with you? And it's like, and you become listened, a millionaire. Like yeah, and it's not like you've suddenly had a fucking come-to-Jesus moment and gone, oh, yeah, I've realised. Like, it's like, no, three months ago, you were, like, paying transfer fees for million fucking euro players. Which doesn't even happen in rugby because you're so impatient you couldn't even wait a year for Cheslin Colby's deal to run out. It's a very weird press uh, engagement as well, trying to elicit some kind of sympathy for how they have a difficulty like putting a squad together. It's like, the millionaires I feel sorry for. Yes, indeed. Yeah. <laughs> it's absurd, isn't it? And I mean, mainly he's pissed off because, you know, French rules actually mean that he's got to pretend to care about the well-being of his players and can't just keep flogging even Etzebeth after he's had multiple yeah, He's pissed off because he's year. injured, you know. Yeah. And I Obviously. paid him all this money and now he's injured. Yeah, I paid him all this money and now he's had three or four, it three traumatic head injuries in a year. And so the French rules means he's got to stand down for three months. That seems ridiculous. I should be able to flog this man until blood is coming out of his ears. <laughs> He's not a fucking new transit van, do you know what I mean? It's not like you can't send him back to the manufacturer because it's not worked the way you want it. It's absurd. Although yeah. he probably was manufactured somewhere in that yeah, special I mean, he, factory. It seems have. like that way, yeah. But it just it reveals a real fucking like unpleasant sort of truth about how the rich people that run the game think about the young men that play it. And it's really quite ugly and unpleasant. Even somebody as high profile as Ebenezer, so you come out and say yeah. that. Imagine what they think the about somebody you've never heard of. Yeah, imagine what they think of some fucking like Pacific Island lad in a second division club who's you know mainly there to fucking send money back home because he can't get it any other way. Like imagine how badly treated that guy gets. Mike Hemi says, I think Lee's never had Branston beans and feels left out. Now that's true, Mike, but that's not the point. Everybody knows Heinz beans. I don't even like beans, and I I know that Heinz beans are the best. Surely. Heinz beans are the That's... best, and yet Heinz beans with sausages in are the greatest crime ever <laughs> taken out across humanity. I mean, some of these things, yeah, it's that's just how life is sometimes, you know? Sometimes the perfection is perfection. You don't need to fuck with it. Any more news? Uh, Jake White thinks that the Springboks should bring back the home home based players rule and stop picking players who are abroad, um, which is a remarkable thing for anyone to say, given that we all know what happened to the Springboks pre twenty eighteen when they brought that rule in, right? <laughs> when they were an absolute you know, nationally embarrassed. Mer- there is merit in that if the players will actually stay. <laughs> yeah, it's like in the similar way that you know the Welsh 60 cap rule thing only works and they, you know, dubiously it only works to serve team Wales because Wales players earn as much money at home as they would if they were playing in England or France or anywhere else. Like unless South African wages 
start matching top 14 and premiership well premiership not for much longer but the sounds of it but you know japanese and top 14 wages then you're just going to have a situation where you know the springboks are a fucking joke again like they were before you'd have to centrally i don't know how it works in SR, in, in saru to be honest but i'm assuming you'd have to do a wales thing and centrally not centrally contract but have a supplemented you know elite contract thing wouldn't yeah you? and i don't know and i don't think they've got the money have they no and if they have like why haven't they surely they would be doing it already because yeah, I don't know. It just, it's, you know, he's a man in charge of a fucking South African Irk team, so of course he doesn't want all of his best players to go and yeah. bugger off to to Japan or to France or to England. But, you know, South Africa's like turbo Wales in that regard, really, isn't it? I think South Africa now is where Wales will be in about five years. Including all the unreasonable Twitter people. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> any more news? I haven't got uh, any more. No, I haven't got any more either. Quite a slow news week. We still managed to make it last nearly half an hour, though, I think. So yeah, we did. Well done, us. Because, you know, beans chat in between. So at that point, I guess we're going to talk about the weekend, which means we say ta-ta to our Patreon listeners. Um, and we'll speak to you all soon. That's the end of the weekend, then. And yeah. that means we bring back our non-patrons. Hello. I hope you enjoyed Hello. your break. That for you was literally a second or maybe some adverts for everybody else. It was a good 40 minutes to talk about the weekend. It was. Um, if you want some of that, you know what to do. Um, so, should we do shit good? I think we should, yeah. Tell you what I like, Josh. Last week, right? I know we were late last week, and it was a bit awkward, but I hardly got any shits last week. Very few. It's basically one week with you all back in work, <laughs> and you are all fuming and discontent. And I've had absolutely loads of them this week. Brilliant. We've had loads come through on the Twitter, etc. Have you got any shits? Um, Owen Watkin, like we touched on it a bit earlier. I'm just, like nobody has wanted more than me, him to make the most of his size and talent over the last couple of years. Like I said, start of the season, I was like, him moving to 12 could be the making of him. It's fucking not. Like... (laughs) He and him and Michael Collins both embarrassed themselves on Saturday evening. But at least Collins would be like, Well, I'm only two games back from being injured for like four months. But he just offers nothing. He's a massive bloke who offers nothing in attack, nothing in defence, nothing. He's just a get best player in the world, Kieran Williams back in the team. So forget about him. I think the thing about Owen Watkins that I've learned, I've, I've realized over time is that. If he absolutely goes eyeballs out and has the performance of his life, yeah, it's seven out of ten. <laughs> yeah, and and how often can he go eyeballs out and have the performance of his life? He just can't, you know. And he obviously is a competent professional rugby player. And as we always say, whatever we say, all of these people have played far more games of professional rugby than we ever have. However, yeah. we're here to observe, and I think at that level, relatively speaking, he has to try far too hard to look like a very good player. Yeah, and he's twenty five now. It's like mm. it should have it should have happened by now if it was going to happen, and it hasn't. Yeah, and I'm just done with it. Bored. I'm, I never cease to be speaking the hospital. I never cease to be amazed by the shape of Dan Evans. 
He's getting real slow now, by the way. Like... <laughs> real slow? He's getting... I'm not surprised. He's definitely not doing any abdominal crunches, is no. he? No. <laughs> He's basically... Fair fucks to him. How would you play I mean... as, a, as a professional fullback looking like that? It's just wonderful stuff. Uh, it's, the, it's you know it's the Jason Tubby thing, man. Like clearly, Dan Evans realised quite a few years ago that he's never going to. <laughs> the thing with Tubby is though, when he doesn't go to gym, he still looks like fairly live. He's the he's other trim, way. He's yeah. too small. If anything, yeah. he, he needs yeah. to bulk up a bit. Whereas Tubby doesn't like going to the gym and lifting weights. Dan Evans doesn't mind going to the gym and lifting weights. He just hates cardio. You can tell. I think that Dan Evans likes bulking, but doesn't like stripping down. I think that's yeah, what, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's the impression I get. No, he's and it's it's a real like I know he scored a try on against Glasgow, and fair enough, he still runs a nice. He ran a beautiful, line. beautiful. I think he still runs lovely yes. support lines, but <laughs> he runs them so slow that by good lord, <laughs> you think, but by the time he gets to that support line, it's too late usually because he's, you know, it's he's t- like. The problem there are many problems at the Ospreys that can be fixed by just sticking Matt Prother at fifteen and not letting Dan Evans have a game anymore. Um, but you know, there's a lot of problems. What else have we got here? That shit. Andy Bradshaw says that <clears throat> shit. Leicester fan Andy Bradshaw says shit. They'd obviously left the exhaust port unshielded, hadn't they? <laughs> yes, very true. <laughs> Um, Matt Merrick gets in touch and says, shit, something you've talked about, Josh, already. Well, we've talked the abuse at DMP Durham Sharks, which makes it sound like a prison, I have to say. Um, it's a terrible name for a club. Let's not yeah. be around the bush. Um, players have had to deal with online after another tough loss. The players give their all, and the lack of quality support structure isn't a reflection on the players. Absolutely. He said, however, the good thing is, is the number of players, coaches, and fans flocking to show them some support. Yeah, as it should be. Um, as I say, you know, whatever level you play at, we do there's always next year, which we didn't do last year, but we will do again this year, where we highlight teams who've had a fucking horrible year. I mean, and it's not to laugh. Up. It's because they are the greatest heroes in the game of rugby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because um, they still turn up every week. They still train, and they still, every week, get out there and give it the best fucking lash, regardless of what happens. Yeah, and the Sharks will absolutely be in the, you know, they've scored 12 I'm not talking about Max's point. I'm talking about in a game they've scored 12 points this season. Yeah, it's yeah, no, that, and that is scored, properly. I don't think they've even scored a try. Shame-inducing pain every week, yeah, and, and they keep still coming back, coming yeah. back. Yeah, they are basically got. They're, they're probably play the players with the greatest character in the whole of rugby. Yeah, hundred percent. Not You've all these those. people who write shit on walls and can like get an extra two percent when they're winning. Those are the people who have the greatest character in rugby. 100%. Uh, Jamie Phillips says that shit is the Ospreys' defence. They need a defence coach pronto, says Jamie. You're being judged by a Dragons fan, Josh. That's where it's come to. I know. That's only because the Dragons have been too COVIDed to lose the last two weeks. <laughs> the bath gambit. Just try not play any <laughs> games. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Big Welsh Matt says that shit is Tom Shanklin spouting ever-increasing nonsensical bollocks. Yeah, terrible yeah. pundit. Good yeah. on the documentary, though. Quite a reflective bloke. But yeah, terrible pundit. You got any more shit, by the way? No, I think I've said enough shit things today, haven't I? David Pritchard says, he says, I've got a Wasp Tigers-themed shit good. Shit is Genj somehow getting away with only a yellow card for what looked like eye area contact and hair pulling. Talked about that already. 
Um, good is Barbarian Hugard, absolutely unreal, almost faultless. Back row yeah, forever Barbary. now, Barbarian, is he? Do we think? He's, I think so. He was real good. I really he enjoyed... Last how, week, didn't he? Didn't he play yeah. right last week? I really enjoyed how like hilariously pumped they all were when they somehow won that penalty. Yes. Uh, which I still don't understand how they won that penalty because that <laughs> what was gone was being had on toast. But such is the silliness of rugby and referees. And it was very funny. Miles Burley says, shit is Newcastle Falcons not playing our England players, their bonuses, conceding 40 plus points two weekends in a row. Our executive director leaving in the middle of the season and just generally not having a pot to piss in, compounded by a sellout game on Boxing Day being cancelled. Maybe Newcastle yeah. should be my team. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they can seriously do with the fans, man. So, yeah. <laughs> um, Deeps says that shit is sale still. Despite everyone predicting guaranteed success of him being the next England coach, a year into Alex Sanderson's project, he's taken sale to the lofty heights of 10th. I'm increasingly convinced he's just a charismatic Stuart Hooper. I mean... It's we joke about the mind Jim Jim for the mind, and yes. we should joke about it because it's very funny. You know, Sale could should have won, like could have won that game against Bristol. You know, if not for, two incredibly marginal knock on calls were very harsh, but at the same time, like. You know, you should, this seem like sales shouldn't be made. Nobody that's yes. got a mind, Jim, should have such a no. little, such little grasp of the laws of rugby union. And it's the thing, like, I found the whole game hilarious because I enjoy Tom Curry being upset about things. <laughs> and he has a proper like, Marty Schoolboy vibe when things he start. does. But yeah. like, literally, from minute one, ever like he could not stop giving away penalties, and he could not stop doing <laughs> stupid shit, and. It's cat like if that's your sort of England international fucking person that everyone in the team looks up to, I kind of understand it because <laughs> it's like if he's like the benchmark for the rest of the squad, no fucking wonder that they are hilariously poorly disciplined to the point where <laughs> even Bristol, who were you know who played probably six or six and a half out of ten compared to where they were last season. And still, you know, one with a bonus point because they, you know, everything about their discipline, not just their discipline in defense, their discipline in attack, their discipline at set piece, like discipline at the breakdown, it's a shambles. Like, how long do you have to spend sat as a human flag to understand <laughs> that if a ref says leave it or to roll away, you've got to roll away or leave it? Yes. It's, it's baffling. It's baffling. Yeah. So we can move on to good? Uh, yes. I've got a good. Oh, yeah. Uh, Paul O'Connell. Yes. For a man of such a storied history and titanic achievement, yeah. knowing his limits and yeah. saying the monster job, I'm not qualified to do it. Basically. Oh, that's not Paul O'Connell, that's Peter String. No, that's Peter Stringer. <laughs> Um, I thought I'd stolen another NFT then. Showing um, Martin Johnson how it should have been done. 100%, yeah. And we talked going... about you know, how, how a legendary second row should deal with being offered a big coaching job too soon 
He went, no, I'm not qualified to do that. It's the way he explained it as well. Oh, yeah, well, it's yeah. like, yeah, I can I can do that. But asking me to run an entire team, <laughs> oh, come on, don't be silly. So, yeah. Like, do you know what? Imagine having, being that fucking ace and having that much humility about yourself. Yeah, and it's really interesting, like, how, like, both him and Ogara have gone, oh, no. And it's like... I think it's because they're so terrified of fucking up the club. Hundreds, you know. Like, deep down, I think that, like, they can make good excuses, and they are good excuses, and they're valid excuses, mm. but the reality is, like... All like unless they go back and win, like one of them went back and won the Heineken Cup again, which you look at that Munster squad and you think there's then nowhere near winning the Heineken Cup compared to other teams in there this year. Like, I don't like what can they do but diminish their reputations? Like, what are you what possible thing did you do to improve the standing of you as a player? I think that might be O'Gara's thing, but I think O'Connell is genuinely going, I'm not qualified. I've done a bit of line-out coaching. Do you know what I mean? I can't run yeah. an entire fucking elite yeah. rugby club. Like nobody's expecting Jerry Flannery to do that, are they? Like... <laughs> yes, indeed. Yeah. So, yeah, that but... was my good. Paul O'Connell for bringing a bit of humility around these parts. Yeah. Um, my good, uh, also on a monster vein, uh, Tyg Byrne. Look, no one player wins a rugby game on their own, except that he kind of did. <laughs> like, <laughs> like that last 15 minutes against Ulster, nobody was more... I don't think I, I, It's rare to say you've seen anybody be more influential on the result of a game than what he did in that last 10 or 15 minutes. He was everywhere. Like, every like set piece, breakdown, carrying, defence, everything. He was just there doing it, all of it. Playing, you know, they were down to fourteen men, and he played like two. It was remarkable. He is quite the player, isn't he? He is, and he's sort of getting better. That's Stu Clark just put in the comments. Burn is a human cheat mode. Well, I tell <laughs> he's you in what, that form. He is. I tell you, who is a fucking human cheat code, and that is, and I know it's just not news to anybody because she's the fucking world player of the year. But Jesus Christ, Zoe Allcroft's good, like. <laughs> Like Gloucester Hartbury pulled off a, you know, admittedly depleted Bears this weekend, but a serious upset going away to Bristol and winning with a bonus point. And she didn't get the official man of the match award, but good God, she was every fucking where. And she seems to be getting better. Like, obviously, I'm guessing Simon Middleton's involved, but they're evolved, they're sort of moving her from lock to playing various positions in the back three in the back row. And she had a six on a jersey, but she was packing down at eight. For and I'm loath to describe her as laws esque because she seems like a nice person, quite frankly. <laughs> um, but like that sort of power, size, athleticism thing that she has. Wait till you hear abuse on single parent families, <laughs> <laughs> Um, like she, she looks like she's trimmed down a little bit from when she was playing lock. But good God, she's fast with it. Like there was a moment in the first half where Bristol had the Gloucester scrum on proper roller skates inside their own 22. And it looked genuinely like the Bristol scrum was going to drive the Gloucester scrum all the way back to its own try line. And somehow as they were sort of driving over the, like somehow they did got the ball back to her and like 
the scrum basically disintegrated around her and she just sort of stood there withstood it for a couple of seconds and then burst through this mass of fucking 16 women and burst 40 meters upfield and then very nearly set up a try and it's like it's like turbo falatau shit and like if that's what she does with the scrum that is literally getting absolutely fucking battered imagine what if she starts carrying from the base of england's fucking dominant all-world scrum like that it's it's fucking terrible. Like, how good is she going to be in a couple? Like, she's twenty-five already, but like, she's getting better, and that's the scary thing. The Red Roses are probably the best rugby team in the world, aren't they? Oh, hundred percent, they are. Yeah, they're one of the best rugby teams ever across the across whole of the sport. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what else we got? It's good. Ali McFarlane says, "Good is both Scottish teams getting bonus point wins." Yeah, I suppose we. we to be fair, Ali, good thing to point out, my friend. We did spend the entirety of that section talking to analyzing the shitness of yeah. of Welsh clubs. When actually, yes, Scotland, Edinburgh, Glasgow, Scottish playing team, very well this season. Playing very well. I think Glasgow um, goes to Exeter this week and fucking do them. You know. Well, it's what we all want, isn't it? It would be really fun. Insert name of team here going to Exeter and doing them is what we all want, isn't it? But, yeah. Um, Phil Jones says, "Good is Racing versus Claremont." In the top fourteen on Saturday night, I'm guessing that was at what half eleven at night or something that kicked off. So, uh, yeah, two um, in the morning. It was batshit bonkers in a good way, plus gorgeous kit for both teams and a yellow card for everyone's favourite shit house Lavanini. It cheered me up saying, no end it? after watching Ospreys versus Glasgow. Yes, still keep forgetting the top fourteens on. I keep forgetting just, just turn over I to love, that channel. I love when I turn on Premier Sports yes. and there's top fourteen on. It's like yes. This is going to be silly, and I'm going to enjoy it. Uh, Fraser McVean gets in touch. He says, "Good is even though I didn't, he didn't get man of the match. Rory Darge once again had a great game. Genuinely exciting talent who may make a post Mish Scotland not as terrifying a prospect as it might have been." Yeah, yeah I mean, he's basically season, just taken he? my next good. Yeah, well, that's literally oh, was it yours? Exactly. Was it? Okay. Jack Dempsey's taken a lot of the attention from him this year, but fucking hell, he's a talent. He's big. He's fast. He's strong over the board. He carries hard. Yeah, he's he's Mish 2.0, effectively. Reese not gets in touch and says that good is needs very own Tom Foley awarding Wasps a penalty try about three se- seconds after saying, I don't think it's a penalty try. <laughs> Just for the lols. <laughs> yeah. You've already mentioned this, but Patricia, friend of the pod, gets in touch and says Good is that I might you might get a separate category for Tig Burn because I don't think Good does injustice this week. Yes, as we've uh, as we've covered. Do you have any yeah. final goods, Josh, before we move along? Uh good tiny little baby Yoan Lloyd. Like <laughs> I don't think he should I start like he shouldn't be like fucking somebody said that he, I think it was Sean Holly said he should be in the Wales squad. It, no, he shouldn't. Don't be fucking <laughs> stupid. But when he's doing his silly things out on the wing and being absurd like he was for Bristol. And, you know, it wasn't just the try that he set up at the end. He was doing that sort of silly mad shit of just stepping people for fun all game. And, it, and he gave Marlon Yard an absolutely torrid time. And he's just really fun. Just real fun player to watch. But let's just keep him where he is, I think. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is us. Indeed. Thank you very much for your company, Josh. Thank you for your company. Always a pleasure. And uh, we will speak to everybody next week when um, 
another week will have passed. There will be one, one step closer one. to all this coming to an end. <laughs> I was going to say, we'll be one of the sweet embrace of death. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, everybody. Goodbye. Bye. Sports Social Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.